We have a very rich and deep love for the land, for each other, and one of our most important roles is to make sure that it is sustainable for at least the next seven generations to come. And that's pretty much all nations, like even though we're different, Ojibwe people are different from Cree and Mohawk people and um, all the other nations, we all have different creation stories and different you know, ways of doing things but we're all linked by the land. The land is the thing that's gonna keep us healthy because we all believe that, you know, we heard the term Mother Earth before. Well, that's exactly what the Earth does. She, she cradles us, you know, as children. She feeds us when we're, when we're hungry. She gives us medicine and water. And when it's our turn to pass away, she takes us back. So we have to treat the Earth as a mother and that's the link that all the nations, I think, have together. Welcome to Respecting the Process podcast, hosted by yours truly. My name is Adam Roshan, and this podcast is sponsored by the Sid Fit Health Center. It's all about focusing on you, whether it be fitness, nutrition, weight loss, strength and conditioning, they can help. For more information, it's sidfit.ca, that's S-Y-D-Fit.ca. And if you just want to go in and see it for for what it's worth and really get into the environment, it's an incredible place. There's a spring open house on March 29th from noon to 5. They have yoga and Muay Thai demonstrations. They have a sparring showcase. They have a special guest who may or may not be the multiple belt holding North American boxing champion. I'm just saying there's going to be cake. There's going to be a potluck. Bring food. It will be a great time. And speaking of a great time, I hung out with the manager of Aboriginal Services at Conestoga College. His name is Mayingan Henry, and he is a First Nations elder from the southwestern regions of Ontario. We explored what respecting the process means on an anthropological level. And he certainly knows a thing or two. Part of his many jobs involves understanding and conducting traditional medicine ceremonies. He is an addictions and preventions counselor, and he has many more roles within his community. At the very beginning of my conversation with Henry, I asked him to tell me about himself. He described himself as an original person, clearly playing off of the term aboriginal. I never asked why, and conversation just continued. Afterwards, out of curiosity, I googled ab. Ab means off. It means outside of, opposite to, making the term aboriginal people historically incorrect and perhaps even offensive. It is a term seen everywhere that is loosely just thrown around, and it detracts from an incredible culture. When I was really young, my mom used to tell me to watch the words that I use. Well, this certainly puts things in perspective. This is Respecting the Process with Mayingan Henry, an original person. Respecting the Process, baby. You don't see the future until you see the past. Mm-hmm. You have to have all those elements in place. And if we look at human history, in the past, it was always the indigenous nations that survived for some reason. Yeah. Because they kept the knowledge of how, how, to, how to survive. Yeah. Right? Today, when I see techni- technology, it, it, we don't even go in outside anymore. We don't go in the bush. We don't look at the water. We don't take care of those things. But if this world happened to be devastated somehow 
native people still had that relationship with the land so they'll be able to survive mm. and that's happened throughout you know human history ever since you know the indigenous peoples were the ones who kept the knowledge and tried to share that but if you don't accept that well there's nothing we can do about it but we can still survive what are some of the most wonderful aspects about your culture that you could implement into today's society i think it's just exactly what we're doing right now talking about it teaching because they've um they've put us away in fact you know canada it was illegal for us to practice our ceremonies mm. it was against the law for us to speak our language mm. we couldn't participate in canadian society because if we wanted to join the um the canadian army we would have to give up our status as an aboriginal person if we decided to go to post-secondary we would have to give up our status as an aboriginal person yeah if i was a native woman if i married a non-native man I would have to give up my Aboriginal status. Yeah. So there's a lot of historical things that I think we need to look at. Um, there's been apartheid practiced here in Canada. Yeah. And apartheid is the legal, legal way of taking a culture and, and dissolving it. Mm-hmm. That's really what it boils down to, and that's exactly what the Indian Act did to Native people. Mm-hmm. They created a lifestyle that was eventually going to assimilate us into mainstream society mm. we call that an act of apartheid and, and that happened right here in canada within the last couple hundred years mm. what worries you the most about that assimilation well if assimilation becomes a loss of our own identity then we're all lost it doesn't matter who you are if you don't know who you are you know then you lost your language you lost your your creation story you lost who you are mm-hmm. and when lost people um, they try to find other ways so they adopt other things that they see in life but not necessarily being who they are yeah when you look at the medicine wheel you see there's a medicine wheel up there on that picture it's a white yellow red and black nations that's what we were told are the original nations that came to this world we need each other to work this world perfectly there's nobody higher nobody lower but we all have responsibilities together to make this world work. But you need to know, like the Yellow Nation has to know about their Asian culture and language. The Black Nation has to know that. The White has to know it, and the Red Nation has to know that. But what is what is the benefit of understanding your culture? What is what is the benefit of knowing where you came from? Well, because I think in our the way our elders talk, you know, um, knowing who we came, where we came from will help us make decisions for the future mm-hmm. that will probably make things better for everybody. Like, we make mistakes in life. And if we don't learn from them, then we're perpetuating more mistakes. So why don't we learn from those things? Feel, I can tell you this. Um, I've been given a role here to help people find their spiritual name. This might be a little bit tough for some people to think about because it kind of falls in line with like with a religion or something um, in our concept and our way of thinking um, when we came to this world we were given all the tools necessary for survival mm. we didn't have any biases when we came to this world we were cleansed in our mind and our body and our spirit we came to this world into an atmosphere that well sometimes and I have to say, it kind of corrupt us a little bit because um, we follow suit with how life is going at the time. 
we think that everybody was brought to this world for a purpose, a responsibility. Because if you're an artist or if you're a singer or if you you have natural skills, mm-hmm. it'll come out, you know, usually at an early stage of your life, you know, when you start practicing those things. Yeah. But those are the skills that we find after we get our spirit name and our clan, know our clan and know our colors. Mm-hmm. Then everybody has something to contribute to society with what creator gave them. Yeah. So your responsibility might make this world a nicer place by use, using that responsibility. Right. So that's what it boils down to. So how do you how do you find your responsibility in life? I don't think it's on a silver platter. I think Creator gave us a mind to to. That's what elders are for. That's what spiritual people are for. Mm-hmm. You know, as a youngster, if you get exposed to them, they kind of show you things. They kind of help you with your own skills. Yeah. When I found out what my skills were, and it was a little later in life. It, it made so much sense to me. Now I know what my role is here. What am I doing in this world? And now I know. What are your skills? My skills is teaching, um, keeping our our culture alive, and, and I've done so through the ceremonies that I've been given to do, like the naming ceremony, and I work with healing ceremonies. Mm-hmm. I work with traditional medicine, so I sit in the bush quite a bit, and I get to know nature very well. Yeah. And I get to work with them, too. So I think, to me, that's what I was destined to do here, Yeah, is to practice these old ceremonies. Because right now, we go to the pharmacy and get some pills when we don't feel good, right? Yeah. And sometimes those pills might do the job, but sometimes they do damage along the way. Yeah. So if we have natural medicines that help us heal, it'll make holistically our body function properly. How can people go about, in a natural way, improving... Uh, certain things without uh, going to a pharmacy and collecting antidepressant, anti-anxiety. Well, that's what our job is now. You know, now that we've gotten out of residential school and and we're practicing our ceremonies again, mm-hmm. that's what the role of an elder is supposed to do. You're supposed to be able to come to an elder and find out things like that. Yeah. And they'll kind of put you on that road and they'll show you things, you know, that you need to know. Because... I'm waiting, like right now, the temperature is just about right for a certain medicine to grow. Yeah. I only have two days to pick these the certain medicine. So at any given moment, i got to run out there and, and go and get some balsam popular buds. Yeah. Because they only come out and they're only good for two days. So I've already got my trees picked out. And I have a number of people who are waiting for a call because I'm going to teach them how to do this. Yeah. So I said, if you, if, if you really want to know, you have to be ready to jump because we don't have any time yeah so i got about four people now as soon as i know it's ready i'm mm. um, just give them a call i said i'm going now and i'll meet you there or whatever can anybody come yes can i come yep i would love to yeah that would be that'd be really nifty and what do these do well these are particular medicines that i make salves out of and i i make um you know what skin graft is, right? Oh, yeah. You know, when they have to put skin on there and let it grow on there? Mm-hmm. This this medicine will actually act as a skin graft. Hey. It'll encourage cells to grow. Yeah. So you don't have to pull skin off another part of your body to put it there. It'll actually grow itself. Jeez. So that's a natural medicine. We've always had that. But our mind is set that we have to go to the hospital, doctors, and I don't think there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. Because Western medicine has <coughs> been given some pretty great stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think our medicine helps our body heal holistically. Mm-hmm. Like if you got a wound here on your fingers, yeah. 
and you take a medicine that affects that, it might fix it, but it might damage something here. Mm-hmm. Our medicine might not go like that. It might go to your liver and make your body excrete, you know, the proper hormones or something to deliver healing to that area. Interesting. I don't need to go directly to that. When people have cancer and they come in here, yeah. um, a lot of times they just want me to get them feeling better because of nausea and the, and the, the cough and, you know, the bruises and stuff like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I see society now works on symptoms rather than the cause. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather get to the cause of the problem rather than fool around with symptoms. That makes perfect sense. So what about uh, what about methods to take care of non-physical things that hinder people, stress, anxiety? What are certain things that you could recommend to just anybody to do? Well, in our medicine wheel, we talk about our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual aspect of life. Yeah. If you don't put that in a holistic nature then something gets off of uh, off of balance so if you're not eating properly or drinking properly or sleeping properly you're depleting one of those things that make your life run smooth and true mm-hmm. so or you can be in access to it i always put it this way you know when this drum here is like a circle you look at a circle yeah right and um if you make a a, a, a square or you know a line in the middle yeah. And that's your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. And somebody, you know, if you if you think yourself, you're not a spiritual person, right? And some people do. Mm-hmm. When somebody dies in your family or when you have to have something that's a little bit above, like, human, I think, you know, you need some type of spiritualness somehow. And when you need that, it's almost like a flat tire. Boom. Every time you get to that point in your life when you need something, mm-hmm. it's not there. It's just empty. Yeah. Um. Same thing with your physical being. You work too much or you, 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 you stress out too much over things. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like a, you know, like another flat tire. And you go through life that way on all four flat tires because you haven't f- fulfilled your need for your mental, physical, and emotional, and spiritualness. Exactly. And then it shows on your body and your face. You don't live very long. You know, you see people that don't care about learning, so they don't care about their mentalness anymore. They don't, you know, it's just like an awful thing. But if you kind of put those things back into your life, and then your life starts to run like a wheel. Mm-hmm. That's why the circle is so important in our culture. Yeah. We, we want life to run that way, nice and smooth. Not bumpy, not boom, 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 go through life, and your life gets shortened. Yeah. You know, and your anger. Okay, so let's, let's go through all four of them. Mental, what yep. are certain things you can do? every day to improve your mental well-being well you should be able to feel that you can learn you should be able to open your mind up to new things and new experiences uh, don't ever close off your ability to learn spiritual spiritual is to you know thank creator for what you have here you know he gave you the trees he gave you the water he gave you all those things that you need for survival so you don't have to go wholeheartedly into that but you just have to give your thanks that there is a a creator or there's a spiritualness about you just to be grateful yeah be grateful for things to give back for what you have to exactly yeah emotional well emotional if you don't know how to control your your love your hate then you express it that way that's what i see with people with with disorders they they don't know how to control their emotional very well. You need to put that in check. So what you can do every day is just have that, you know, 
don't over exceed your anger you know don't because anger is okay because that's a natural human function anger love and all those things mm -hmm. but but practice that so that you're not excessively doing those things you know that'll hurt you yeah express your love in a proper way I have to tell you this uh, when 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 my dad was in residential school he didn't tell us outwardly that he was sexually abused in there I, I kind of think he was because he was scared to touch us, hug us, tell us, you know, he loved us. And I think it boils down to when he was abused. So he was scared of that emotional side of affection with his kids because to him, hugging us was sexual, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And he didn't want that, you know, with us, yeah. you know. So he avoided it. Yeah. He said to him in his mind somewhere deep, even though he knew better, it was implanted in his mind that, that hugging his kids and kissing his kids was, was sexual. Mm -hmm. And that's what he didn't want. So he never, never practiced that with us. Never, never did that. He avoided that like the plague. Yeah. You know how, I don't know if you got parents, or, and if you ever, when you leave your parents' home, usually you give them a hug or, yeah. you know, there's a little uh, love attached to that affection, right? We avoided that moment with like a plague. Like wow. if we, my family was at my parents' house, yeah. And it was time to go. My dad would all of a sudden, oh, I got to go out in the garage. Oh, I have to go over there just to avoid that moment. Jeez. That's what I'm saying about yeah. your emotion, right? Keep that in check so you're not feeling that you're that you're hurting somebody by your emotion. Mm -hmm. But you still need to give that emotion. But if you're coming from a negative emotional experience, then how do you know if you're inflicting that upon somebody else? Well, that's it. that was the problem that they have, right? They don't know if they are or not. So it came from such a young age with them it to them was a bad thing yeah so i think we need to look at life as a balanced part you know because kids need hug yeah they do you know all your kids need some type of affection or or something to show them but if you don't do that then they're going to seek it in other ways right yeah and sometimes not in the best way that's a good point. you know because that's something that everybody needs i think it's not improper to give kids hugs and if they don't have that well why do you think your mind goes into like pornography and you know you know distractions exactly because they're looking for what they probably didn't have yeah. and they didn't learn what was good and bad wow. so i think that's why we need to give that emotion and use that emotion properly so what is uh what is the key to <coughs> continuing the process and developing the aboriginal culture in today's world I think uh, let's open the doors up for discussion now. Let's realize that Native people here in Canada never gave up their sovereignty. We, we were nations here. We are still nations here. Just because Canada became a country doesn't mean that we had to be a part of that. We can still be participants in this world. And we made uh, that, that two-row wampum that's on that sign there talks about that when the Europeans came to this country we would share the resources we would respect the land and nobody would starve here there's enough land here for everybody there's enough water here for everybody there's enough food here for everybody let's mm -hmm. don't let's don't take it all and say it's ours and let other people starve how do you avoid greed greed is a tough one to avoid because a lot of people live on greed right uh, but I think we just need to practice it. I can't tell you not to be greedy, but I can make myself not be greedy. Mm. 
I can't make you do anything you don't want to do, but I can make myself do what I think is necessary. So uh, if we get more and more people individually telling themselves that I'm going to be a better person from this day forward. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take everything and own it. You know, I'm going to live my life the best way I can. And hopefully we'll see more and more people role model that. Yeah. And then other people will see, well, you know, that's working out pretty well. You know, I'd just like to see role models follow that. Nobody can tell nobody else what to do, but we can role model what a good life could be. I'm an, I'm, a, I'm an example of that. You know, like, I don't live a very rich life, but I, I'm very fortunate for what I do have. And, and I have a lot of people like yourself come in to want to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I think that's, to me, you know, that means more than money. That means more than anything when somebody wants to learn something. Well, you have a, you have a really compelling message. You know, and uh, the whole I don't know more movement, mm-hmm. you led a lot of people up to Parliament Hill, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you tell me a little about that? Well, I'm, I'm a part of the political system on my reserve. I didn't think I'd ever do that, but I needed to do it at a certain point. And we were in Ottawa, and we were sitting in Gatineau, Quebec, actually, right across from Ottawa. Uh-huh. And out the window, we could see Parliament building. And it was all the chiefs and the political leaders and you know, all these people, we're talking about poverty in our community, and we're saying, why are we telling ourselves this? We know this. We live this. It's those people right out the window who need to know that. And so within like about an hour, we formed all the chiefs to march up to Parliament Hill. We're going to go talk to Prime Minister Harper today. Yeah. Because we knew our session was on, Parliament was on. So we took all our chiefs, and um, the the plan was we're just going to walk right into Parliament. <laughs> We're just going to say, you guys need to know what we're going to tell you. So we, it was a lot of us. <laughs> we, we end up walking over there. How many people? Um, I'd have to look at the picture, but if you look at the steps of Parliament all the way back to the fire, it was full. Wow. So that's how many people right, came. Right back to that fountain. Yep. Jeez. And then only eight of us walked in. Yeah. The deal was that all the chiefs were going to walk in, but when they locked the doors on us, they put these separated dividers down. Right. Um, we, some people got a little nervous, right? Uh-huh. But, okay, there was about eight of us. I took the pipe in, and the pipe for us means peace and friendship. Mm-hmm. We weren't there to fight. Yeah. We were there to talk, right? Because there was a very important message we had to deliver. Yeah. And so there was a um, an MP from Timmins area. His name was... Uh, can't think of his name no. um, he, he's an advocate for First Nations because he works in a lot of First Nation communities yeah. and um, he actually knew we were coming so he invited us into Parliament so we walked up to where the Prime Minister was in Parliament in session and uh, the, um, the security guard stopped us right so out came uh, one of the ministers uh, it was Joe uh, Oliver who was Environment Minister at the time Tried to talk us out of this. He just talked and talked, right? We said we need to go in and talk to the ministers. And so he said, well, you can't do that. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. And so we, he got finished talking, and, and he turned around and left, and we followed him. <laughs> and then we had these big security guards kind of pushed us out and yeah. stuff like that. So we, we delivered our message that way. Yeah. You know, so it, it caught all the attention. that we. St- but the worst part about it in the paper... Violence. Was that we stormed yeah. Parliament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how it, natives stormed Parliament. We didn't storm Parliament. 
Yeah. We were actually invited in from that MP. <laughs> we, we followed, you know, our process, and we didn't start that confrontation. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but we delivered the message. So. And you're constantly battling against that, right? You're constantly battling against, uh, you know, negative stigmas in the media, mm-hmm. and uh, that's something that I guess. I don't know, it, it definitely affects you guys as a culture. When I was working with Ipperwash, you know, during that time, they kept saying in a paper that we were a splinter group from one of the First Nations that were trying to make some noise in Canada. It wasn't that. It was a whole nation that was trying to get their land back that was promised to them. And it finally got to the boiling point, you know, where they said, they're going to take it back. Because yeah. they had a military base there. And they weren't ready to give up that military base. This is 50 years after the war. <laughs> And that's when they were supposed to give it back. So the nation decided to go back there. And unfortunately, it led to Dudley George getting shot. You know, so I remember that night very clearly. I was at uh, that one. I was at uh, Wounded Knee, South Dakota in 1973 Mm -hmm. when we stood up, you know, there. I was at Oka. And, uh, you know, I think it was important events in my life that made me understand who I am, Mm -hmm. to stand up for the rights of our people. What does respecting the process mean to you? Well, everybody has a process. Um, I think we need to be respectful of it. You know, I know Canada has ways of dealing with issues and we need to be respectful of that way, but they need to be respectful of ours too. So I think it's a co-relationship of respect for each other.